and started uh, putting the views in. And we had a cleaning crew come in yesterday evening, and we're just so very thankful. Uh, the views look great. The carpet looks so nice, and uh, just really updates the auditorium in a good way, and uh, also uh, just gives us some more comfortable seating. And I know it looks uh, a little smaller in one sense because the pews are just a little bit shorter than our old pews, but we did uh, gain some pews toward the back as far as longer pews. So we're, we're still, our seating capacity is still about the same, maybe a little bit more uh, since we have some longer pews toward the back. But we did uh, narrow the center aisle just a tiny bit and create a little bit more space on the sides. So that way we're not bumping into each other all the time. As you know, um, before, anytime we got out of the uh, pews over here on the side, we were either bumping into the wall or having to squeeze squeeze through. And so that creates a little bit of space there so we can fellowship some more on the outside as well as here in the middle. Then we have plenty of room there in the back as well. And so we're so thankful for God's provisions and for the resources to be able to do a project like this and uh, for the opportunity uh, to uh, get the views from the church up there in Crown Point as uh, we had just talked about uh, possibly updating these and then uh, Matt Rumba's brother uh, mentioned that their church was getting rid of their views and so we went up and took a look and one thing led to another and so we're so thankful we give God the glory and uh, we're thankful for all that God has been doing in his faithfulness to us. We'll go ahead and look at some announcements. I hope that you received a bulletin as you came in this morning. And on the back side there, we have a list of announcements. Ladies Bible study Tuesday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. And then Wednesday, of course, our midweek connection is for truth. And so we'll continue with our Bible study on characters of the Bible, prayer time, as well as kids for truth. Senior Saints will meet on Thursday here at the church at 11 o'clock. It looks like the weather's going to be decent enough for us to be able to go uh, outside and have a little bit of a picnic and bring cornhole and some other games. And what we'd like to do, if you could put your name there on the sign-up sheet if you were planning to come, we'd like to have three or four crock pots of chili for our main item. If there will be a few of uh, you who would be willing to uh, fix a crock pot of chili, and uh, we won't do a chili cook-off per se, um, but we'll uh, have a chili as our main item, and then if uh, those who are coming could bring uh, crackers and desserts, uh, I don't know what some of you prefer to have in your chili. Uh, maybe you like the little oyster crackers, or you like the Ritz crackers, or maybe you like Fritos, uh, or you just like the saltine crackers, but if we could just bring those kinds of things and some desserts, and we'll enjoy some time of fellowship together on Thursday out here at the picnic shelter. Security team training qualifications this Saturday at 9 a.m., followed by qualifications at 10. Team Afterglow next Sunday evening. So after the evening service, we'll have pizza and some activities here at the church for our youth group. And so you can bring a change of clothes and uh, stay after. We'll go to about 8.15. And if you can bring $5 to help out with the pizza and uh, the food and all, and uh, we'll take care of that. We should have provided each uh, young person can bring $5, we'll have a good time and uh, have some activities and, and, and some food for our teen after the next Sunday evening. Bobo Stew on the 22nd, that's at 5 o'clock out of the Bolts. There is a sign-up sheet in the back. And also, if you could begin bringing your cans of vegetables and beans, and then uh, the sign-up sheet will have cornbread, a place for you to sign up to bring cornbread, uh, fruits, and uh, fresh fruit and veggies, and then... Uh, desserts, I believe, as well. And that will be at 5 o'clock out of the polls. We'll make sure the address is listed and uh, everybody knows how to get there. And uh, you can bring broccoli. I understand. <laughs> I understand that broccoli was forbidden. It was not preferred. And uh, I'm okay with broccoli. Just don't bring asparagus or Brussels sprouts. I'm just kidding. We can do broccoli. We can do all the different veggies. And, uh, Broccoli's clean? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, it's kosher, yes. Uh, but uh, we'll start collecting those. So you can take those to the kitchen. We'll make sure they get uh, those cans get stacked and we'll get those out to the holes for the hobo stew on the 22nd. And then uh, Deacon's meeting on the 23rd after the evening service, Missionary Craig Hartman with Shalom Ministries on the 30th, and then uh, Team Leadership Retreat over at Camp Insurance November 4th and 5th. All right, those are our announcements. We'll do prayer requests here in just a few moments. Jake is going to come and lead us 
In hymn number 140 for our opening song, we'll sing the first and the last verse of song number 140 that comes. Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right, we'll go ahead and have the teens dismiss to their class. Cedar of Lebanon, 
that's mentioned, acacia, and the olive tree. So how many do you think? Well, it's at least three. 12, 17, 21, 37, 48, hike. What do you say? <laughs> I want you to vote. How many, last week, you did not miss any of these multiple choices? How many did Drew raise his hand? <laughs> Some of you weren't here. <laughs> I get it. So you made your choice. How many specific trees? It's not 17. It's not 21. It's not 48. Are you still alive? No, there. 37 specific things. 37. So we talk about each one of those trees, and the other one here until this summer. It's not going to happen. While most of the trees are native to Israel, some were brought by traders that came through Israel on the way to Egypt and to the east, right? So I'm going to mention some of these, not all the mentions of trees. There's the reference. Genesis 1.11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the earth yielding seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. Now, I see so many of these sidebars. I get off one, and then I start studying. One of the cool things about teaching the class, this is not something that I, you know, am an expert in. So I start studying, and I, I get off on these sidebars, these little rabbit trails. Here's the sidebar. Let's transport you back in time to the fourth day of creation. You have the knowledge that you have right now. You come sewing along and look at this tree and wonder, how old is that tree? You're going to use all your scientific skills, planting, watering, growing, watering, fertilizing, watering. Right? How old is that tree? What's the correct answer? The correct answer, since trees were created on day three, the correct answer is one day old. God created things with the appearance of, of, of age, correct? Another point, Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. We don't know what that tree is. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, it's mentioned in Genesis. It's important. By the way, I take it the Word of God, literally, except when it is obvious that it's poetic or something else. Genesis 18.1 Then the Lord appeared to Abram by the terebinth trees of Mamre. What do you think about that pronunciation? Mamre? Mamre? Okay, we'll say Mamre. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, so here's Mamre, actual place in Israel. Again, I'm doing research. We've got Jerusalem up there, Hebron down here. Hebron, Mamre. Here's a satellite view. Israel is pretty arid, isn't it? A lot of desert. And here's that tree, the terebinth tree. Here's another picture of it. So here's probably the tent that Abraham purchased. We're <laughs> 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 not going to have time to make one. So here, here he is in the shade, in the tent, underneath the tree. Then the Lord, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, 
And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. The promise that God made. And of course, we understand Abraham had some problems, didn't believe God. And Sarah, what did she do? She laughed, unlike some of you with my jokes. <laughs> Notice, in the heat of the day, here is a satellite photo of our home. We are covered by trees. You can barely see any part of our roof. This last summer, we did not use our air conditioning at all. Okay, not because Grandpa's cheap, but the home stayed fairly cool. By the way, when we were up in Wisconsin, we didn't use the air conditioning at all this summer, <laughs> because the wind coming off the lake, it's cool, it's 5 to 10 degrees cooler there than it is here. Oh, by the way, I love trees, but I can't grow grass. What do you want, trees or grass? Mari says, well, let's just cut down the trees. I said, you can do that when I die. <laughs> and grow the grass the way you want. <laughs> Another example of a tree. Second Samuel 18.9. You know Absalom, right? What do you know about Absalom? What do you know about him? You rebelled against dear old dad. <laughs> he sure did. Now Absalom happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under the thick branches of the large oak, here I am, off on a rabbit trail, only this time it's a mule trail. <laughs> How fast can mules run? Because I'm thinking, he's on a mule, David's men are probably on horses or camels? What kind of a race would that be? So let me just ask you, what do you think? 20, 25, 30, 40, 55? Pick a number. Okay. By the way, I forgot to check it, but I think the fastest human could run about 20 miles per hour. 100 meters in 10 seconds. I'm not saying I was slow when I was in high school in track to time me in the 100 degrees of sundial. <laughs> 25 is not the correct answer. 30 is not the correct answer. 20 is not the correct answer. Moving pretty. 55 miles an hour. Shelter. 
about oxygen, about medicine. Lord goes, medicine? I go, do you realize aspirin, acetazolic acid, comes from a bark of a tree in Asia? That's where they first isolated it. Did you know that? It's an interesting story, but it's not true. <laughs> no, no, it is true. He knows. I know one, at least one family that uses one exclusively. Smiths? How many use uh, wood to heat the home exclusively? Several of you. Cool. No, uh, beauty. I think, I think our property is beautiful with trees as long as you don't want the ground. They make golf more interesting. <laughs> they do. They really, really do. Super short explanation is photosynthesis. The leaves of the tree combine CO2 with both water pulled up from the roots and energy from the sunlight and then turn them into glucose and oxygen as a byproduct. 
This glucose is then transported throughout the tree and used as energy and also for providing the molecular building blocks which grow more leaves, branches, rings around the tree trunk, and deeper roots. Here on the left, we have CO2 in the atmosphere and water from the roots. In the middle, we have glucose. And then on the right, we have cellulose, which is found in every single one of the plant's cells. This process of turning CO2, water, and energy from the sun into glucose and oxygen, and then turning glucose into cellulose and growing larger and larger until it is a massive tree, is what trees do best. And you can see how all of these carbon atoms in every plant cell of the tree once came from CO2 in the atmosphere. So then, if we want to remove CO2 from the atmosphere to help curb climate change, and knowing that every tree is just a massive structure created from CO2, light, and water, a key solution is to plant millions of trees. And that's one of the projects that um, the National Arbor Day is attempting to do. And somebody said that, remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Do trees produce ATP? Those of you that were with me last week know what ATP is. You'll need to know that on the test if you don't know it. <laughs> and I'm going to show this video at the end if we have time. And Jake is going to narrate that video for us, I hope. Again, another question. How much CO2 do trees absorb? Well, they think it's enough to reduce this thing that they call climate change. I do not believe in man-made global warming. I do not believe in it. Sorry. Another video that's not going to work. Or in the post, I've, I've uh, worked on that several times to try to get it to show up. Surface tension. A lot of this material is taken from Nature's De Destiny by Michael Ditton. By the way, I mentioned that last week. Intelligent design. Problem we have with intelligent design is they just leave it as a, as a god. Believing in creation does not get you to heaven. It's believing in a person, Jesus Christ. So they kind of leave that out. So we'll ride with them for a while, but then we break off company when, we, when they don't do that. How does water get hundreds of feet up into a tree? Well, we're looking at the capillary action back here. And I actually got this set up on my kitchen table. Both Caleb and Gloria will tell you that I did I know what you're thinking. He's got all kinds of chemical reactions and experiments going on in his house. <laughs> so, you know, the idea is, you know, in 40 minutes, I can't get that to go very high. And I didn't get it to go very high. But I will say this. I only have two things going at home. I have a cold fusion experiment in the bread maker. Because I've got the cold fusion experiment going in the bread maker, here it is, I keep the house at 52 degrees. <laughs> now, Lori is a very good sport about this. If she gets cold, I just tell her to bundle up. If she gets even colder, I say go in the basement where we have a nuclear reactor. <laughs> it's a bit warmer down there. And you get the added benefit of all the insects glow in the dark, not just the fireflies. And Caleb, since he has a, be a bedroom in the basement, tends to have this phosphorescent glow in his hair. And that's nice because the girls really love it. So how does water get hundreds of feet up into a tree? This is rather amazing. By the way, before I go any further, this is about like watching paint dry. <laughs> I don't consider this to be particularly exciting. Do you agree? It's like, I'm not sure that I brought safety goggles with me. Um, but anyway, uh, get rid of this. 
may have to do this because I don't want you to do this without saying the goggles. This is a little bit more exciting. Uh, Denny told me that, no, it wasn't Denny. Who told me that? Bob told me that their grandkids are doing this experiment. His grandkids are where I take um, isopropyl alcohol, put in this bottle. Somebody says, we've already seen it. I know. It's just cool, though. <laughs> I've got two nails in here. I'm going to put some rubbing alcohol, isopropyl alcohol. This is 90%. You don't need 90%. 70% will work. We could turn the lights down. Maybe. Okay, that's too much. Now, if I had a sink, like a chemistry lab, I'd just pour it down the sink. We'll pour it down here and hold it this. Doesn't spread it down there. Oh, you know what I normally do? I normally like this. Just to show you what alcohol will do, it does burn. Okay. So we have the basic components of a combustion engine, don't we? Air, fuel, and something to carry a spark. So we went to Faith Christian School, walked on the road, and all these kids. Mr. Clark, shock us. <laughs> I don't have my Tesla car with me. I'm going to put the gun on this and put it underneath. Tesla coil, shocking device. Okay? Let's see, are those close enough together? I think so. <laughs> I'm not scared too much. Oh. <laughs> get your name. <laughs> I do need that cord if you find it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that to me is a little bit more exciting than watching water go in the quicker, bigger elder. <laughs> Although that process is used in all kinds of chemical analysis. All kinds. So here's what the Lord has created inside a tree. The flow and the xylem. The xylem has cells where the water can move up. And it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And the foam is allowed to complete the circuit, bringing water back down and, and waste materials and so on. So what do you think? Here we go again. How many got both of them right today? How many got both of them right today? No, you didn't. Why, you didn't get the mule? <laughs> uh, Tallest tree in the world, 100 feet tall, 100 to 200 feet tall, 200 to 300 feet tall, 300 to 400 feet tall, 400 to 500 feet tall, 500 to 600 feet tall, or it's actually a beanstalk. <laughs> Did you choose one? What do you think, Earl? I'll go with 300 to 400. 300 to 400? You got a tree like that for your yard? I don't know. If that falls on, it could take out the whole neighborhood? No. No, it's not 100 to 200. It's not 200 to 300. It's not the beanstalk. 300 to 400. The tallest tree in the world is a redwood located in California's Redwood National Park. How many have been there? Cool. cool. I have not. Discovered in 2006, the tree was measured to be a staggering 380 feet tall. And appropriately named Hyper Ion. I don't know why that's appropriate. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. Here it is as we look up the tree. <coughs> 
See, some of these videos play and others don't. Trunks and branches are around 900 years old. 
making them among the oldest known olive trees. Personally, I don't think there are any trees existing uh, that Jesus would have walked past and seen. Uh, those trees out in the Redwood Forest, probably. Revelation 22.1 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, I actually, I got stuck here. I say, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it, and on Peter's Wait, the tree is in the middle of the street? Was there the tree? And it's, it's in the middle of the street? It's, and so I used a, a parallel Bible. <coughs> the New International Version to me makes more sense. The water's flowing down the middle, and the trees are on either side. So I'm suggesting you use other references sometimes. King James is not always... Not that it's not the most accurate, but its translation sometimes gets lost on us. Here's an artist rendition of such. So back to this, do trees produce ATP? I have a video called Inside a Leaf, which I decided not to, to uh, bring into the presentation. I didn't want to have a chance of it not operating. And let's see if uh, I can show this to you and Jake can narrate. <laughs> Should be. Is that number one? HH1. <laughs> it should be on. Can you get Yeah, I can We are approaching a redwood tree to animate scientifically accurately. Our study protector over by the specimen on the last slide, high resolution. They even counted the stomata and used that exact count for the cell. Centimeter scale about the animation, we will gradually zoom into smaller scales. As we approach the single stoma, we are now on millimeter scale. <coughs> this stoma allows carbon dioxide in and releases oxygen out. It is, to me, incredible. <laughs> As we enter the interior of the leaf, we see many individual palisade cells. These cells are where photosynthesis takes place. They are translucent to allow sunlight to enter. As we approach a single palisade cell, we zoom down to the micrometer scale. The shapes inside the cell are organelles, the bright globules at the bottom. Speed reading. <laughs> the fang yellows fiber web structure inside the cell and provide structure and support of the cell. You are about to enter a chloroplast. Inside you see flat painting like membrane structures called thymoids. This is where the light dependent reactions of photosynthesis take place to produce ATP to cell energy carrier molecule. So the short answer is do trees produce ATP? Absolutely. Absolutely. Time scales change. The molecules are shown one million times slower than in real life. One million times slower than what actually occurs in real life. So in your mind, speed this up to a million times what you see. 
As we near an individual bioavoid, the animation scale continues to shrink down to the molecular level where things are measured in nanometers. The green and blue bush-like structures are photosystems, clusters of proteins that absorb light energy from the sun and help convert it into the chemical energy that stores the bonds the energy carrier molecule called ATP. Team realized this structure is in every leaf. Every leaf has these structures. Laurie knows we take the equivalent of 160 bags of leaves from our yard every year and dump them across the street in the ravine. Every one of those leaves has this structure. Yellow-green rotating structure is an enzyme called ATP synthase. This molecular machine facilitates the flow of protons down a concentration gradient from one side of the bioflora membrane to the other, using the energy released in the process to assemble ATP. I showed you that last week in an animal cell, didn't I? ATP from ADP. have the most amazing answers. Like, how can trees be so tall? It's a question that doesn't even seem like it needs an answer. Trees just are tall. Some of them are over 100 meters. Why should there be a height limit? I'll tell you why. Trees need to transport water from their roots up until their topmost branches in order to survive. And that is no trivial task. There is a limit to the height that water can be sucked up a tube. It's 10 meters. If you suck on a long vertical straw, the water will go no higher than 10 meters. At this point, there will be a perfect vacuum at the top of the straw, and the water will start to boil spontaneously. For a tree to raise water 100 meters, it would have to create a pressure difference of 10 atmospheres. How would trees do that? When I posed this conundrum, a lot of people said the answer is transpiration. And that's when water evaporates from the leaf, pulling up the water molecules behind it. Now that's clearly a mechanism a tree can use to create suction, but it doesn't help us overcome this 10 meter limit. The lowest the pressure can go into your factory, which I imagine is not happening in that trees. Right? Right, Hank. So you might suspect that a tree does not contain continuous straw-like tubes. The tree effectively has valves in it. So you don't have a problem in water. Basically, too, what you're saying is it goes water. It's actually made up of cells. Although these are good speculations, they don't turn out to be correct. Scientists who study trees find that the xylem tubes that transport water do contain a continuous water column. So how else do the tree transport water from the roots to the leaves? They don't suck. They don't use a vacuum. Okay, so how do they do it? Pleasing like a cow, like a squeezing cow all the way up. There's little tree muscles in there. Yeah? Besides being a giant waste of energy, all the cells that make up the xylem tubes are dead. What about osmotic pressure? 
If there is more soil in the roots than in the surrounding soil, water would be pushed up the tree. But some trees live in mangroves where the water is so salty that osmotic pressure actually acts in the other direction. So the tree needs additional pressure to suck water into the tree. Then it must be capillary action. The thinner the tube, the higher the water can climb. But the tubes in a tree are too wide. At 20 to 200 micrometers in diameter, water should rise less than a meter. So how do trees do it? Well, one of the assumptions we made is wrong. The lowest the pressure can go is if you're back, if you're back, if you're back. In a gas, this is true. When you eliminate all of the gas molecules, the pressure is zero, and you have a perfect vacuum. But in a liquid, you can go lower than zero pressure and actually get negative pressures. In a solid, we would think of this as tension. This means that the molecules are pulling on each other and their surroundings. As the water evaporates from the pores of the solid wall, they create immense negative pressures of minus 15 atmospheres in an average tree. Think about the air-water interface at the pore. There is one atmosphere of pressure pushing in and negative 15 atmospheres of suction on the other side. So why doesn't the meniscus break? Because the pores are tiny, only 2 to 5 nanometers in diameter. At this scale, water's high surface tension ensures the air-water boundary can withstand huge pressures without caving. As you move down the tree, the pressure increases up to atmospheric at the roots. So you can have a large pressure difference between the top and the bottom of the tree because the pressure at the top is so negative. But hang on, if the pressure at the top is negative 15 atmospheres, shouldn't the water be boiling? <clears throat> yes, yes it should. But changing phase from liquid to gas requires activation energy. And that can come in the form of a nucleation site, like a tiny air bubble. That's why it's so important that the xylem tubes contain no air bubbles. And they can do this because unlike the straw, they've been water-filled from the start. This way, water remains in the metastable liquid state when it really should be boiling. It's just like supercooled water remains liquid even though it should be ice. So you can say that the water in a tree is super sucked because it remains liquid at such negative pressures. <clears throat> and why are trees moving all this water up the tree? I want you to make a guess. Say it out loud. For photosynthesis? Actually, no. Less than 1% of the water is used in photosynthetic reactions. Any other ideas? Okay, what about growth? Well, 5% of the water is used to make new cells. So what happens to the other 95% of the water? It just evaporates. For each molecule of carbon dioxide the tree takes in... <laughs> Did you follow that? Some of it? Some of it? Yes, definitely. From the trees in the garden, to the trees in which the ark was constructed, to the tree that Zacchaeus climbed, to the tree upon which Jesus was crucified, trees have played an important role in human history. The Creator God who created trees humbled himself as a man and learn how to build things. I was thinking about this the other night. The God who created the universe humbles himself and has a, has a dad teaching him to build things. It's incredible. But most importantly, humbled himself and allowed his created beings to crucify him on a tree. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So, Laurie, what do you think? Pretty boring? Pastor, <laughs> I feel back to you. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that unique uh, perspective and style uh, which he, he teaches us, so appreciate that very much. Uh, Debbie Smith, do you mind closing us in prayer? And we'll get ready for the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and thank you for the lesson you have to tell you in school. Thank you for the wisdom that I really appreciate you as well. I'm looking forward to the message today, Heavenly Father, and pray that you will be glorified in it, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.